Hey there, Subscription Box Basics fam. Julie here, and I've got some super exciting news for you. My favorite event of the year is happening in less than two months. For those of you who don't know, it's called Sub Summit, and it's the conference for Subbox businesses. Renee and I are going to be there, and you could potentially join us for free. You can learn more at subsummit.com, but don't wait too long because ticket prices are going up soon. Come on, let's make some memories together at Sub Summit. So, you want to launch a subscription box and don't know where to start? Girl, you are in the right place. I'm Julie Ball, a subscription box coach, and your host here at Subscription Box Basics, a podcast for new and aspiring subscription box entrepreneurs that want to avoid overwhelm. So grab a coffee, some pen and paper, and let's have some fun. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Subscription Box Basics, the podcast. I'm your host, Julie Ball, and I am here with one of my Subscription Box Boot Campers today. I'd like to introduce to you Leah Brushett from The Mother Snacker. I love this box. I've sent it to team members. I've received it myself, and I cannot wait to share this story with you. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Leah. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You have been around our boot camp group for quite a while now. And your your box is amazing. It is, I, I can't wait to talk more and like unpack this because you don't use that custom box design that we talk about a lot. And so I'd love to um, share that story. But first, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, great. So I'm Leah. I'm the founder of Mother Snacker. I'm California born and raised, but have lived the last 10 years in the Seattle, Washington area with my husband, who's my high school sweetheart and my son, he's seven. Nice. So what is a little bit about your background? Did you work in corporate America before? Have you always had the entrepreneurial bug? What does that look like? Oh, yeah. So I actually um, previously worked in the video game industry. So I was in video game development and it was my dream job, um, but it also is a very volatile industry. So there's a lot of growth, but then a lot of closures. So um, I was in one of those studios that ended up closing and then found myself just kind of at a crossroads of what to do. Ooh, I can't wait to hear about this launch <laughs> story. Before we get into the launch story, tell everybody what Mother Snacker is, who you serve specifically, and how you, like, what pain point do you solve for them? Yeah, um, thanks. So I like to say that Mother Snacker is like a sweet break from the chaos of motherhood Ooh, because I, I think we all need to be more honest with the fact that sometimes motherhood sucks mm-hmm. and <laughs> while spa days and girls nights out are all awesome and highly encouraged, sometimes they're not always feasible. So sometimes, you know, self-care looks like a hot date with Netflix and indulging in a delicious dessert. That's where I go. That's my version of self-care. And so mother snacker sends that feeling to a mom's door every month each box um, starts or each subscription, I should say, starts with a welcome box. And I start with what I consider the real survival essentials of modern motherhood, coffee, chocolate, and dry shampoo. Oh, yes. It's like <laughs> the, it. tri- the trifecta. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what you need. And um, then I add in even more delicious treats and um, other bath and pro- body products, uh, paper goods, just really anything that makes a mom's life you know, easier and sweeter. Oh, I love that. And so you ship a welcome box. This is different than most people. The the welcome box, is that always the first box that any new subscriber receives? And then after that, they kind of get put in the rotation or how do you manage that? Yeah. So that's exactly how it's done. And it wasn't how I started, but it eventually ended up 
um, evolving that way after kind of being in business for about a year. Um, so every subscriber starts with that same welcome box. And it's just a really nice way to introduce people to my brand. And it, that's kind of why I changed it. Because at first, it didn't feel as natural to just say, hey, here's a box of treats and you get why I'm sending it to you. I started to send this welcome box to really introduce them to this idea that every mom should have a stash of sweet treats all to themselves and reminders that they're amazing and you know, the motherhood is hard. They're not doing it wrong. It's just that hard. And that stash needs to be hidden, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I know. So I, I love your idea of that welcome box. I think that's super smart. Um, I'm constantly telling people they need to train their customers how to use their box and how to use their membership, how to make the most of their subscription. And it sounds like that's what you do with that first box. So bravo on that. I love it. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the launch story. You know, where did the idea come from and you know, when did you launch? What were some of those first steps you took? Yeah. So um, to make a long story kind of short, um, it was 2017 and it was kind of a rough year for me professionally and personally. Like I said, I worked in the game industry and um, what my studio closed and um, I had several other life events that just kind of threw it all for a whirlwind. Um, and one night when I was doing my favorite version of self-care, which was that magical 30 minutes when my son is already asleep and my husband's still in the shower. So it's like just me. My thing was digging into my stash of delicious treats. And I'm just the kind of girl that, you know, Oreos are great, but I was really the one that was searching that small batch salted caramel brownie. I'm the one that's going after the super decadent Rice Krispie treat, like not just your average grocery store snacks. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling online, you know, chatting, commiserating, supporting my local mom's group. And it hit me one day, like, why isn't this something that's delivered to a mom's door every month to just have this? And I think that, you know, I had a hard time with motherhood. So sometimes I think if there were more people telling me you're doing awesome, I am having a hard time too. I probably would have, I don't know, had an easier time. Yeah. You wouldn't feel so alone. Exactly. Yes. It's kind of a nod in an ICU. Let's just, you know, we're in this together. Yeah. And do you still put in the affirmations um, in the box where I remember seeing some of the pictures that said like, you're doing great or, you know, whatever those um, might be that little bit of encouragement. Yes. So that is also in um, the welcome box. There's six cards and they've got different quotes on them. Mama, you got this. Um, You're doing better than you think. Be gentle with yourself. You're doing the best that you can. You are enough. Um, Those kind of quote cards. And on the back, they specifically say, you know, read this, feel this, know this. And then um, when you're ready, pass it on to a mom that you think might need it more than you. Um, I I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Because that's, you know, what it's kind of all about and what the box has ended up evolving into. Yeah. And they say it takes a village to raise a child and the moms need that village just as much as those kids do. So you're kind of building this village with the common ground of these sweet, decadent, luxurious treats. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about that, that original or that beginning pre-launch and right at the beginning of your launch stage. What did that look like for you? Did you start to create social media and start putting the feelers out there or what were your big things that you did at the beginning? 
Oh, right. Okay. So 2017, I came up with the idea, but I was actually a really slow growth. Mm -hmm. I kind of planned this business and built this business in the fringe hours. I was still working full-time. I was a mom, an okay wife. (laughs) Um, And so I actually ended up launching, um, actually posting to social media and spreading the word about six weeks, eight weeks before I launched. And I So that was April, 2018. So it took me a while. And then my first boxes shipped Mother's Day, 2018. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, it really worked out. Nice. So, so many of us that are listening today are new and aspiring uh, subscription box owners. So they want to know what were some of your challenges at the beginning there? What were the hardest things you had to overcome? Um, So I had a lot of kind of the random roadblocks that were small that ended up getting solved, like me realizing that I wanted those delicious small batch artisan treats, but they don't have a long shelf life. And there's a reason for that. Um, You can't, and I've heard you mention this on a couple other episodes, you can't ship chocolate every season to all parts of the country. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are things that like I had to realize that I can't ship half my um, ideas that of, of these beautiful products that I found can't be shipped half of the year. So just product sourcing was kind of a hiccup that I didn't anticipate at first. Mm -hmm. Um, I went fully custom with my box at first and thought, well, if I'm going to buy a custom box, I'll just buy the biggest one I can. Well, (laughs) that means that your shipping costs are more expensive. That means that the products that you add aren't always going to fill the box. So it feels like you're like, I don't ever want my customer to feel like they're opening a box and it's empty. So that was a hiccup. So wait, um, stop there for a second. What yeah. size were you at and what size do you use now? Okay. So I was at 10 by eight by four. Okay. So that's a pretty big box. Yeah. Um, and now I'm eight by eight by two and three quarters. So uh-huh. significantly smaller and not as deep, which is what I really needed was before I wanted that big depth. Cause sometimes I'll send mugs. Sometimes I'll send, yeah. you know, so I thought I'll get the biggest box. Um, which was, you know, ended up being a roadblock, but I hammered it out and now we're at where we are now. Okay. And what made you decide to go from that custom box to a non-custom box? So tell everybody what your box looks like too, because I want to make sure they can get paint the picture and we'll make sure to include an image in the show notes so they can see the actual box. Oh, great. Okay. So my box is a craft box and it's the tab tuck. So it's the kind that goes fully inside. And then I stamp my logo in black on the front of the box. And then because all of my boxes or all of my subscriptions start as a welcome box, it's wrapped with a black and white striped gross grain um, ribbon or gross grain ribbon and, um, you know, tied with a bow. I love that. It's such an um, underrated uh, way to do your box with a stamp and that bow. It just, and it looks sharp too, because you, um, your brand colors, uh, tell them about your brand colors and which ones that you use on the actual box. Yeah. So my brand colors are like really monochrome. So black and white, and then touches of like a pale aqua. Yes. And so then in my box, it's really just the natural craft, black, black and white with the ribbon. And then my crinkle paper inside is an ivory. So just really muted monotone, but I feel like it, I mean, it works for me and I like to encourage people to think that they don't have to go fully custom at first, but also on the flip side, understand that this is not necessarily cheaper or easier because I have to stamp all the boxes. 
there's mistakes sometimes. So there's, you've got to have a percentage that just didn't work out. Yeah. I never thought about yeah. that. But then um, also one of the things that works out really well with the craft box is that I get to change my sizes and still keep the aesthetic and not have to pre-order custom boxes. So a craft box, I can kind of order in different sizes and get the same look. Oh, that's doing a, all the work. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the reason why I wanted you to talk about your colors is because it is so like you you called it monochrome. Like it is um, classy and chic. Like you don't have to go the loud route like Sparkle Hustle Grow, where we're bright pink and you know gold and white crinkle cut. You have to really build your brand and decide what those colors look like and how you can translate that brand into an experience with the actual box. So I want to circle back on the product sourcing question real quick. Oh yeah. Now that you, you realize that you can't send certain products in certain months in the United States, because let's face it, California, Florida, Hawaii, Texas, they're hot a Mm -hmm. lot longer than some of the other States. So what? How do you how do you handle that with product sourcing? Are you just very intentional about what you buy during those months? Are there certain types of products that you kind of um, gear towards in the summer months? Yeah, definitely. That's absolutely what I do. So I um, I won't ship chocolates past February, okay. and I won't ship them any earlier than November. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in November, they're like chocolate dipped versus like a straight up chocolate bar. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I just change my focus over the summer. So they're more temperature friendly, you know, shortbreads, uh, chocolate covered pretzels, things Mm -hmm. like that, or like the rice crispy treats handle really well. Um, yeah. So just really being really intentional and finding the right vendors, taste testing everything, which is the best. (laughs) Darn that. I bet that's such a bummer to do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, like sign me up for that. Um, yeah. So I imagine the, the conversation is just very candid with your vendors saying, I will be shipping this to all of the United States or wherever you're shipping it to. Um, what, um, like how long, what's the expiration date? How do they ship from a temperature perspective? And you, I guess you have to think about too storage. Um, I'm not sure. Or do you fulfill from home still or do you have a warehouse? Yeah, I fulfill from home. So you can really keep a handle on where you're placing those products in your storage. Whereas if someone has a warehouse, you need to make sure that it's temperature controlled and humidity controlled because you don't want your products to go bad before you even ship them out. Yes, so exactly. Just, I guess I guess it's just a you know when you're using products like food products, especially those that are perishable, you really have to have your finger on the pulse and have those conversations with the vendor in advance. Yes. I have to ask a lot of questions and clarify because you can't, sometimes I can't even just ask, this is a mistake that I made in the beginning is what is your shelf life, but Mm -hmm. what is the shelf life from when I'm going to get it? So I want to make sure I get the newest batch if I'm, you know, ordering advanced and ahead, because they might have you know, a 60 or 90 day shelf life. But the one that I get is, you know, batch that expires 30 days from now. So you have to be very specific. I ask, how are they shipping it to me? You know, how, how any recommendations for how I should ship them? Are they all individually labeled and packaged? All of that. That's a really good point because if you're buying, you know, 30, 60, 90 days out and you receive those products in advance, how long does that product last beyond your ship date. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of logistics with that, like thinking about when things are coming in, when I'm shipping them. And then some things they, because I, you know, I'm picking the small batch made, they're only good for 
12 days, let's say. So I need them to ship it to me the day, the day or the couple days before I pack and I need to pack quick. Yeah. So like, you know, if you're packing 200 boxes and everybody else can kind of do them over days, let's say if you're doing them at home, you're doing them at your fringe hours because you're a parent or you've got mm-hmm. a full-time job, you can do paper goods slowly, but the yeah. food items, they have to go last quickly and then get out the door. So do you ship in batches or do you ship as orders come in? I ship my welcome box as orders come in and then in batches. So everyone starts with the welcome box within two to three days of ordering. Mm-hmm. And then everybody gets their, you know, second, third, fourth, et cetera, on the 15th. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, this is like rapid fire questions. I yeah, appreciate but, this. Yes. And then Julie, I did want to share that actually my biggest roadblock, um, but it ended up was a negative, but turned into a positive was that I actually had trouble um, getting recurring, getting traction with recurring subscribers. Interesting. So this I was, was, was going to yeah. ask about gifts. Yeah. So that's actually where I ended up pivoting my model, how I ended up with the box that I do and how I ended up with the welcome box that um, ships immediately versus on a um, recurring cycle or the 15th, but yeah. the traditional model. So I actually had trouble getting moms to subscribe for themselves. I was selling boxes, you know, left and right that were gifts. Sometimes, well, often they were prepaid three, six, 12 months, but I had trouble getting people to subscribe for themselves. So about a year into my business and after, you know, diving into a lot of the operations and my numbers through like the boot camp, just really looking in, Mm -hmm. honing in on who my customer was, what my product messaging was. I found that over 80% of my sales were as gifts. So I had a choice about a little after a year into business should I try and change the habits of moms and get them to subscribe or should I just dive deeper into what was working? So what I did was I ended up pivoting and changing my copy, changing my messaging that like, this is the gift that you send to moms. So it's moms buying gifts for moms. And it, I they almost, love it. thank you. And they almost end up, I have recurring subscribers just in a different way. So a mom will buy a gift for their mom friend that just had a baby. That mom falls in love. I've even had um, moms that have cried when they've got their boxes and then they go and buy a box for another mom and then so on and so forth. So it just, it's recurring in a different way and it's, you know, made the process different from a lot of the traditional subscription model, but it works for us. I'm really glad that you shared that story because I would see that as a trend in the mom box kind of world because, Mm. you know, I'm a mom myself. I would think twice oftentimes before treating myself to something decadent or, you know, checking, um, the family budget to make sure it fits in there. And then almost feeling guilty sometimes like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I shouldn't have spent that money on myself. And that's all a mindset thing. I've been working a lot on that over the years. I'm in a much better space than that, but I see a lot of other mom boxes saying the same thing. Like, how Mm -hmm. do I let a mom feel like she can spend money and time on herself? Right. Yes. So that's why you shift, shifted your brand messaging and kind of your first foot forward. Do you, do you run ads too? Um, I don't run ads right okay. now. I think it's, that to me is a beast that I'm not ready to tackle because <laughs> I really think like you have to really be intentional and know what you're doing, Yes, you know, or lean on experts, um, which I'm a big proponent of that. I'm just not ready for that stage yeah. yet or that, 
amount of budget, I think can really make a difference. Yeah. I'm just not there yet. And the reason I brought it up is I can imagine that could be a challenge to run ads at, to gift givers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it's not exactly, well, I suppose you could, you know, target lookalike audiences of the buyers that you have, but the messaging has to be the right kind of, this is the gift that you give to your mom friends. So, oh, I'd love to talk to you more about that when you go down that path of (laughs) of testing out ads. So, okay. So what is one of your favorite things about working in the subscription box industry? Um, That's such a good question. I have so many favorite things about having my own business. Um, But since we're talking specifically about the subscription box industry, I think something that's completely unique to our industry and something that's my favorite thing is that on a consistent basis, I get to discover, support, share, and, you know, buy from other small businesses. And, you know, I'm not huge, but I love the idea that I'm helping them grow as my business grows. And I mean, really, in a, in some ways, I'd like to think that, you know, the cookies that I source from South Carolina, the chocolate covered pretzels from New York, the, you know, coffee from California would never get into the hands of a mom in Texas if it weren't for my box. And now they're on her radar. So I just love that in my own small way, I'm helping other businesses grow too. It's such a win-win. And I like to think of it as the ripple effect. Like mm. you said, it's introducing people to new brands and they're going to fall in love with it and then send that and introduce it to new people. And it's just this beautiful ripple effect. And it's based around, in your case specifically, small businesses. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So what is one piece of advice that you would share with our audience for, you know, if they're about to start their own box? So I... Um, I think an important piece of advice, and it's, I kind of liken it to motherhood. And I think a lot of your um, listeners and the people that are in our boot camp and our um, community are moms mm-hmm. as well. But I think just like motherhood, your journey in entrepreneur- entrepreneurship can, will, and should look different than other people's. And that's okay. And that if one person is doing something to become successful and that's not for you, that doesn't mean that the version that you do can't also gain success for you. Um, So I think that's really important. And then on the flip side, like you said, it takes a village. So find your tribe, find the people that understand what you're talking about, the people that you can celebrate with, commiserate with, get ideas from. It's so important. I would agree with that. I have a handful of um, women that I get on a call regularly and they run high level, very successful subscription box businesses. And we do all of that stuff together. We cry to each other. We complain to each other, but we celebrate with each other and congratulate each other too. Everybody needs a box bestie. So there you have it. Yeah. (laughs) Right on. Okay. So if you are interested, if you're listening and you're like, okay, I need to get my hands on this box. Where can people find you online and feel free to include your website, your social media, wherever. Yeah. So um, thanks, Julie. I am, um, you can give a gift or treat yourself at mothersnacker.com. And I set up a special discount code. If anybody is interested in um, getting one on my website, it's 20% off and the discount code is Julie. So really easy to remember. Yay. (laughs) And I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm on the most, but I'm the mother snacker on Instagram. Awesome. All right. You heard it. 
Use code Julie and you can treat yourself or gift it to someone. And, you know, Valentine's Day is Mother's Day is coming up, like all kinds of great opportunities to gift it to a mom friend. I love it. Leah, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fun chatting with you and everybody check the show notes if you want to get those links and we will definitely put a picture in there so they can see your, your specifically your box design that we talked about and your pretty purple hair. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Julie. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in as always. And we'll see you in the next episode. 